If you've just tuned in, then welcome to the Go Play Go Business Network podcast, here to help you market your classes and grow your business faster online. I'm Holly Woodford, co-founder at Go Play Go, and also creator of Move with Pepper, the preschool physical activity programme. We're excited to bring you the unique stories of activity providers from across the UK. Hopefully these real life stories will inspire you and give you some helpful advice on how to market and grow your business. Hello, everybody. I'm delighted to welcome Emma Hammett to the Go Play Go business podcast series. Emma is the founder of First Aid for Life, which is a multi-award winning practical and online first aid training business. Uh, Emma is a two-time book author and recognised expert in first aid. She writes regularly for online and print publications and is currently first aid expert for the NCT, Mother Care, Jojo Mama Bebby, Baby London, Absolute Mama, The Parents Directory, and frequently appears on TV, uh, on Sky News, BBC and Channel 5 News. So she's a very busy lady. So hello, Emma. It's great to have you on the show today. It's brilliant to have you here. Really, really looking forward to hearing about um, First Aid for Life and how you obviously got started. Uh, We've obviously just had a brief chat before we started the podcast about uh, First Aid in general. uh, And I'm hoping this is going to be a really interesting topic for our our activity providers out there and what to think around uh, First Aid. So I've given you a brief intro, um, but why don't you tell uh, the listeners a little bit about your background uh, and what First Aid for Life actually is? Okay. Well, my background's nursing, and my team are all medical health and emergency service and ex-military professionals. So the most important thing for us is that everybody uses their first aid on a regular basis. So consequently, between us, we really are first aid experts. We, um, We know what we're talking about, and you can ask us pretty much anything and we will be able to find out the answer for you. Brilliant, excellent. And what um, what do you actually run in terms of your service? I know I've, I've seen you do sort of online and offline kind of courses, so just chat to us a bit about what sort of first aid um, solutions you provide for people. Okay, so we have um, practical first aid training, which is probably what you're most used to. We um, run short courses and we run full day courses and we run longer courses too. We run online training, um, which is um, something that a lot of children's activity providers choose to do, particularly for the franchisees, because it makes things much easier and it enables you to have a full first aid course experience, obviously without the practical assessment. Yeah. Um, so it's the next best thing. But if you don't need to be Ofsted registered um, and it gives you an appointed person qualification, then it ticks off the boxes for that. And we offer a blended learning, which is the sort of best of both worlds, where, so for example, for childminders, people working um, in the early years providers, we'll go into more detail on this, yeah. it, it enables them to do a 12-hour paediatric course, six hours pre-learning, six hours in the classroom, and you arrive in the classroom with you know, ready to go with all your questions there. And um, you get a much thorough um, course and um, I think a much better learning experience doing it as blended. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure you do. So how, what type of sectors do you do first aid for, Emma? Pretty much everything. Uh, we are specialists in paediatric first aid and we also do a lot of sports first aid. We run courses for hundreds, if not thousands, of children's activity providers uh, across the country. Uh, we run first aid for all the health professionals. We train all the GPs and dentists around the country. Uh, We run specialist courses for children with special educational needs, for people working in um, youth areas where we do special courses for children caught up in gang crime. Uh, You name it, we're very happy to create a a bespoke course that will meet your needs. We did a whole load of courses last year for um, people that were profoundly deaf with English as a second language. Okay, wow. (laughs) Challenging. Challenging, but boy, did they concentrate. They were such an amazing group of people to teach. 
I, I love and the we fact that as well. Yeah, I'm no, sure. I, mean, I, lo- I love the fact that you're quite bespoke, actually, because I guess every industry, every sector, every context is quite different. And I guess first aid can be very generic. And I'm, I should imagine that most of us have come into contact with first aid probably at work and probably mm-hmm. thought it's, you know, it's, it's, it's relatively sort of dry as a subject. Um, it has to be tailored. Yeah. If you're sitting there, I mean, I, I was talking to someone the other day who was... Um, working with horses and they said they had a generic first aid training company um, come and teach them and they said they spent about half an hour on burns and I said (laughs) yeah it's good to know about burns and if we spill a cup of tea we need to know what to do but actually half an hour on burns wasn't relevant to their audience they would sooner have spent more time on the head and spinal injuries and had it tailored specifically to what to do if a horse has kicked you. And that's what we really pride ourselves in, that all our trainers will understand exactly who they've got on their course, and they'll make sure that it is relevant. So whether we're teaching tumble tots or um, tatty bumpkin, or, you know, or a music-based class, or a, um, a, a mini rugby-type class, we'll make sure that it is relevant yeah. to to the people that are listening to us and and concentrating and yeah. and and you know, attending our courses yeah i'm trying to imagine uh, the bespokeness of a music class whether there's going to be sort of guitar injuries or uh, <laughs> or, or sort of drumstick maracas, injuries those maracas are dodgy things <laughs> always the maracas in my experience <laughs> but if you think about a music class you've got a lot of toddlers you very often got parents with more than one child there um, they're running around <laughs> You've got trips. It depends on the location of the place where they are holding the course. Um, you might have slamming door injuries where um, you, know, you need to know what to do if their finger gets chopped in a door or perish the thought if it actually gets um, chopped off. Um, yeah. you know, there's all sorts of things. Without being too nanny state about it, um, there's sort of risk awareness and accident prevention along with knowing what to do you know if a child runs into the corner of something and and knocks out their teeth yeah absolutely in a music class and I think um having spoken to sort of you know my own class deliverers and others I think that feeling of actually I'd want to know what to do in that circumstance and I think actually doing that type of course I think gives people a lot of confidence and comfort that if if that did happen they could actually properly deal with it so um so yes it might not be the maracas but it's a a multitude (laughs) of other things that that might be there so you mentioned briefly your team Emma Uh, it'd be great to sort of just understand kind of a bit more about your business how it's structured how many people that work um sort of with you Okay, so we've been running 10 years now. In fact, uh, 10 years pretty much now. Oh, fantastic. Um, So obviously we've grown from me out there doing all the first aid training, writing the courses, delivering the courses, answering the phone, um, doing everything, which um, I know we've all been at and I'm sure some people listening will still be in that situation. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and it depends what you like doing in your business and your aspirations for your business. There's nothing wrong with running a business where you're doing all the teaching if that's where you want to stay. But if you want to really grow your business, you have to get to a point where you can work on it rather than being immersed in it because you simply won't have the time or the energy or the, the ability to look across your business in order to make the necessary changes and be sufficiently innovative and look for new opportunities to be able to grow it to that next stage and reach more people. And what was the sort of the change moment for you, Emma, when you kind of realised that in order to actually grow the business, you needed to probably think about it and probably work slightly differently in it. What was that moment after starting your sort of your first courses and getting the business up and running? How long did it take for you? Uh, right, I need to actually bring others on board and actually try and grow it seriously. Uh, it was probably within the first couple of years, and it was probably as a result of total overwhelm and exhaustion. <laughs> which I think we've That's honest. <laughs> where. You, you suddenly find there is more work than you can physically do. And there's also a sense of pride when you're setting it up that you somehow believe 
that you're the only person that can do it, that it's your baby and no one will care about it as much as you do. And there's elements of that, but until you start trusting other people to deliver the courses for you, you won't be able to, you can't be in two places at once, no. let alone some days we have nine courses running at the same time in different places. So you can't do that yourself. And then you get this amazing feeling that you realise that actually other people run the courses better than you <laughs> because they're fresher, they've got a different insight, they may have different specialties, so maybe some of my trainers are better at running certain types of courses than others. And you then get the wealth of experience in having a team and then when we get our team together to do upskilling sessions, it's magic because we all learn and we all fine-tune each other. We do that annually and we keep each other up to speed as well during the year, um, sort of remotely. Um, and I also observe all my trainers because um, it's really important yeah. and we work together on, on everything. But those upskilling sessions where you get all that expertise in one room and we teach each other, we go through the whole syllabus and we also get out the Resuscitation Council guidelines and we sit there and I'm usually the boring person that sits there and says, actually, that's a really interesting point you're teaching now, but it isn't directly evidence-based. So unless you've got evidence to support that exciting new bit of research you've done uh, or you've read about, you, know, you shouldn't be teaching it. So it's about just fine-tuning back, which in our side is really important, to make sure that we are giving factual information because the first aid training um, area is completely unregulated. Well, that's interesting. I didn't realise uh, it was is, completely unregulated. Uh, there is voluntary regulation that the good companies all choose. I'm, I'm double-regulated and I love it. So I've got... <laughs> Now, there's um, a quote. I'm double regulated and I love it. <laughs> well, it's really good. You might have to call the podcast that, actually. <laughs> regulators, then you ensure that you've got your quality up there. And they give you lovely tick boxes that you can go through so I can ensure that I am doing everything I'm supposed to and that I have observed everyone and checked that they're doing all the boring bits. But it's important to ensure that you're trading correctly and that you're ticking all the right boxes. Uh, absolutely. How many courses do you run kind of, I don't know, a week or a month on average? Oh, we run, we, we trained uh, 10,000 people last year wow. and we're a lot bigger this year. So uh, there are a lot of people. I mean, during our really busy months, we're training eight or nine courses a day. Are you? Gosh. Quite often, um, which is, you know, logistically, we have to be absolutely on the case. So I've got a fantastic uh, team of admin staff who are amazing and they really care. They care every bit as much as I do. Their customer service that they offer is superb. They will take time to understand exactly what the customers want to make sure that we really are able to tailor it and give them the very best of what we're doing and they will make sure that the right trainer is in the right place with the right customer and that everyone's paid and that it all works because actually that's not my bag <laughs> it's interesting listening to you because you're clearly excited about running the business and growing your team and energizing and developing your team and I think that that comes through really strongly actually um, it's so important there's that old phrase isn't it of uh, you know working in the business versus on the business mm -hmm. and it sounds like you're very much working on the business which is probably why you're getting that growth you know 10,000 people trains phenomenal and obviously it's more this year so look forward to seeing where you get to uh, this uh, this time next year. I mean, I guess you know the, the obvious question is what 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 sort of inspired you to start the business ten years ago? Because obviously you haven't always um, uh, run this business. So tell us what what happened and why you decided to start First Aid for Life. Well, my background's nursing, and I've always been interested in elements of first aid and the difference first aid makes. So when I was nursing you would see, particularly in A&E, but also on the wards, you'd see people being admitted who had been directly affected by what had happened in those first vital few minutes. So I mean, one of the pivotal moments for me was looking after a, a little boy in the burns unit and learning how he came to be there. So there he was, um, you know, little tot, three-year-old, 
um, having skin grafts, lots of pain, he's going to have scarring, long-term scarring, and you know, he was injured by, from an accident that could happen anywhere. And his mum was making a cup of tea, she accidentally spilled the boiling water over her son, and instead of knowing what to do and being completely calm about running the burnt area under cool running water, she ran out of the front door screaming for help. And in those minutes, he was still cooking. He was still burning. And it's about empowering everyone with the skills to confidently and calmly be able to help following a medical emergency. And it might be a burn, it might be a car accident, it might be a trampolining accident, it might be absolutely anything. But first aid, prompt and appropriate first aid, saves lives, it reduces pain, it reduces long-term suffering, and it makes a massive difference as to how long someone needs to be in hospital. And that was my motivation initially. I didn't get to actually set up my business until I'd done an awful lot of other things. I'd been a hospital manager, okay. I'd been a drug rep, um, perish the thought that I, I was going to say, you uh, sound, <laughs> you're sound, sounding sinister as you say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd done um, uh, a business um, post-grad qualification as part of my um, hospital management. Oh yeah, hospital management and business and drug rep. I'm surprised you're even talking to me. But <laughs> <laughs> you're saving lives. 10,000 people are saving more lives. Absolutely. We're doing good stuff now. And then I became an ESOL teacher, so teaching English to speakers of other languages while my children were really small before um, I could devote myself to a proper career. And all the time, this was itching inside me that this was something I wanted to do. And it wasn't until all those different strands ran together, because uh, you know, another thing that we do is our online courses enable us to have the courses as pre-learning for people with English as a second language. So it then opens the doors to them to do the first aid training. And if you think about how many people, particularly in the um, children's care type area that have English as a second language, it opens up huge doors. Yeah. So it was only until all those different strands of a fairly disparate career came together that I had everything I needed to set up my own business. Um, and, and do you remember the moment you decided to do that? I do. I was on holiday uh, and I was, I'd, I'd made the decision and I was writing courses and putting them all together and my cousin said, why on earth is someone going to pay to come and learn first aid? <laughs> and I looked at her. I thought, you're very wrong here. <laughs> so it's interesting that very often it's your family that bring doubts into your head. And um, her price point when we were talking about it as well was very different to the price point I was intending to to charge like peanuts yeah. <laughs> like, uh, like actually dear cousin that isn't a business if you're charging at that level it's 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 not possible to do yeah so it it's interesting talking to your family and your friends around it and you have to at those early stages be very selective and be pretty bullish, I think, if that's what you really want to do. Uh, you have to trust your gut instinct and go with it and learn from them and learn as you start. You know, it's not the same business when I started as, as it is now. But um, don't be put off. I've had a lot of people who've had, um, particularly family and friends, either they're saying, yeah, yeah, fantastic idea, without actually giving it any thought, or they're poo-pooing your idea without giving it an awful lot of thought. I think that's really funny because I, I, that's that was certainly my experience. I think you get the two extreme kind of reactions mm -hmm. um, from people. Some are just like, oh, great, amazing, you'll go and do it without giving it much thought. But it's nice that they think that uh, is the first reaction. And then others that will just tell you all the reasons why it's a really bad idea and you shouldn't do it. And I think it's an interesting moment, isn't it? Because I think if those are the moments that you switch off that background noise <laughs> and listen to yourself and go for it that's your first big step I think um, of running your own business where you actually make your own decisions and you don't get swayed by other people's um, doubting I think they always say it's yeah, the doubters I think that's important. <laughs> you have to have a degree of focus 
and, absolutely and you have to stick stick to your guns but you will have yeah. mega doubts and you will have those waking up in the middle of the night thinking what am i doing <laughs> someone asked me at the week we all do yeah absolutely someone asked me at the weekend what's it like running your own business and i sort of paused for ages to try and describe it and i said the best way i can describe it is you have these extreme highs and these extreme lows and sometimes mm. not a lot in between and you have to learn to manage that period where it's uncertain um in terms of actually you know you just have to kind of stick with your instinct and stick with your kind of um your you know that, that actually it will turn out okay if you keep going <laughs> so. absolutely and you've got a fabulous business superb well we're still growing but um yeah excited about uh, obviously but it's got to always be growing Abs- if you absolutely. don't grow and you don't look for new innovation someone else is going to overtake you Hundred percent. Now it's a good segue into your two books that you've written because obviously you know not it's not enough just running uh, <laughs> writing my third. I'm about to publish that. And you're on your third book now. So so go on. Tell us about the two books you've written already, and and then also if you can, what your third book's about. Okay. Well, my first book was is a bit of a fraud, really. Um, <laughs> I did. I I branched into first aid for pets and there wasn't such a thing as a first aid for pets manual. So my first book, yes, it's a nice book and it's on Amazon, it's doing very nicely, but actually it's really a first aid for dogs manual. So let's park that one to a side, although everything I learned in doing that uh, and publishing and getting that working was, you know, incredibly valuable you're always learning and you always do it better the next time well i have two Uh, dogs and two cats so i'm going to go and get that book (laughs) (laughs) i'll send you one (laughs) um so the next one was burns falls and emergency calls and that's a proper book and it's endorsed by the child accident prevention trust and by the good toy guide and by fantastic um parenting and um childcare experts and it's an Amazon bestseller, and it's won two awards. So it's doing very nicely. And what it does is it takes you through accident prevention without being too, oh, I don't know what the word is, but too protective about it. It's just awareness from birth right up to sending your kids off to uni or college or off to work. So right through, going through all the most common accidents that happen. It sounds like a really good read, doesn't it? <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but you know what? If it makes people aware and if it saves lives as a result, then fantastic. Absolutely. And then it tells you um, on first aid for the most common accidents. So we go into first aid for road traffic accidents, for kids at parties, uh, for the whole lot. So it pulls it together and then it's got some risk assessment sides for um, childminders and people caring for children in their own home and suitable for um, activity providers as well in terms of things you should be checking and aware of if you are running activities for children in a venue. So it's a useful book. Um, it's read by parents. It's read by people working by ch- with children. It's read by um, all sorts of people, and the feedback's been been great. Yeah, fantastic. It's uh, was it a natural kind of evolution for you from writing, I guess, sort of first aid courses to then writing a book, or is just writing a book just an entirely different uh, proposition? No, it's the same. I write for everyone. You didn't mention um, Huffington Post and Thrive and BBC and the Daily Mail. Um, I, my main role in the business, as well as sort of coordinating and having that overview, is content. I write about first aid. I write about accident prevention. I write about things that interest me in that sphere. And in doing that, and creating new content, if you imagine, in creating the courses, you've got a huge amount of content that you can then give to other people in different forms. And in putting that into a book, a lot of it's already been written, you're then repurposing it. And then when you've got a book's worth, you've got a wealth of different content that you can blog, you can turn into Facebook Lives, you can um, 
send out as articles, which then means you're guest posting on other areas, and it all helps to establish you and your expert authority to get you noticed in that particular area. So Google loves content. So if you are feeding Google, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, with high quality, valuable information, you're not selling through those, but you're giving high quality information that people are interested in, then it helps the business. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that that might be one of your top three marketing tips, but I won't let you spoil the surprise. For <laughs> I think your... it's number one. Okay. Well, and, and it's interesting, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, with bells on it. Yeah, well, content Just is... Just give. Content give, is give, king. Give, 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 mm. give. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's something in that, isn't it, about not always on the hard sell. It's actually... Never it's actually... on the hard sell on social media. I feel very strongly about that, that social media, particularly Facebook, somewhere where people are relaxing and browsing... And if, if you suddenly pop up in their feed and it's like, buy me, buy me, um, <laughs> have you booked your latest course? Have you booked your child onto this? It will be like, some, be like a child tugging on your skirt <laughs> when you want to go to the loo. You know what it's like? Annoying. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, or that, that point where you're on the phone and they always want your attention at that point. It's not the right moment. Yeah. So it's the moment to share and give and get the awareness up so that when you are ready to ask for a sale, you've got a lovely warm audience that will say, actually, I really like those people. They gave me this last week and I listened to that free course and I joined that and I had a copy of their book and it was all great. Uh, and then my mate mentioned it to me because she'd seen it on another post and shared it with me. Yeah. And of course... Do of course, you, they're the right person to Emma, go do you, to. Emma, do you use social media as your main way of um, building your brand awareness and, as a consequence, getting sales, or do you use other uh, methods to actually get the sort of the bookings for each of your courses or your online courses? This is where I should be really analytical and be able to tell you exactly. The answer is, <laughs> I use a bit of everything. Um, I am currently doing a major Facebook course to get to grips with those wretched analytics so that I can tell you the answer precisely to that. Um, I know that my newsletters work. Yeah. I, knew they, I know they work very well because when I send my newsletters out, um, my Facebook likes go up and my bookings go up and my visits to um, through Google Analytics to my website go up and my sales go up and we're busier. What, so I what, know that newsletters work. Yeah, what is it do you think in your newsletters work? Because I think this is really interesting because I, I, I often think that people have got quite diverted into social media and have forgotten email and actually mm. newsletters and content via email. Um, so I'm interested, do you know what it is that works in those emails? I try and be current, I try and be relevant, um, I try and be interesting, I don't sell through my newsletter, I probably don't actually sell enough anyway, <laughs> um, so I don't, yeah, I probably in all honesty don't sell enough um, and I'm mostly giving. But I'm always giving with my contact details on there. Um, so I think I'm, I think I'm sort of hoping that the karma comes round. Yeah, but actually, I'm sure it does. Uh, I probably should be more directly asking for a sale more often, mm. uh, or asking for a recommendation because I think sometimes that feels a nicer way of doing it. And, and, and doing it that way around. We do tell people about our testimonials. We share a diverse amount um, on, um, on our social media. Just turning my bleeper off my phone because it's annoying me. Sorry. <laughs> Busy lady. Um, <laughs> I've managed to so commandeer you for one hour, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's probably, it's, it's social media alerts telling me that things are happening out there. Um, 
So we try and be really diverse in what we're sharing. We try and share um, information about happy customers, testimonials, uh, top tips, um, all sorts of really useful stuff. But in terms of direct adverts, I do some for my online courses. I don't often do them for my practical. Mm. And I probably should do more. I've probably earned the right in all my giving to ask a little bit more. So um, I think I will start changing that a bit more. Yeah, but I'm most definitely going to be measuring the input because you can measure everything. You can. It's just the time to do it all. Yeah, absolutely. And like you and I were talking about earlier, the time to try and become experts in all the business side of things where you learn the next new thing and you think, wow, that's amazing. And you sit down to do it and it takes you a lot longer because it's not necessarily my expertise to do that, which is why I quite often outsource yeah. things that make my head spin. I will give to someone else and then I will ask them to explain it to me as an idiot guide. I think asking for help from other people, I think most people are actually quite like being asked for help or if someone thinks they're an expert. And I even think, you know, just a 10, 15 minute conversation with someone can save you an awful lot of time. One of the things I'm really hoping will sort of unearth through the, the, the Go Play Go podcast is just some really great little tools and strategies to shortcut this because none of us have oh, enough time to... Great hacks out there. There's some fantastic... Are you using Meet Edgar? No, no. What's Meet Edgar? Ah, uh, Meet Edgar's magic. What's Meet um, Edgar? Go on, tell us about Meet, Meet Edgar. Edgar. Meet Edgar is a social media scheduling tool. Sorry, I try saying that with my teeth in. <laughs> a social media scheduling tool, but not like Buffer or Hootsuite or um, you know those sort. It enables you to connect up all your social media and put all your evergreen posts... So stuff that you can share multiple Everywhere. times without it getting old mm. in there. And you fill it up. And then you put new stuff in and new stuff in. And it puts it across your platforms. So you've always got a presence. It doesn't mean that you no longer have to be there. Because the important with social media is its engagement. It's social. <laughs> You're meant to be, you know chatting and sharing and getting engagement and that's what they're looking for but if you know that you've got a baseline out there of useful relevant targeted information that your audience will like then they've always got something to continue to share yeah. and it means that you know you've got a presence because the thing about social media is if you disappear for a week or two weeks because you're busy and you haven't got time, people assume you've shut down or you no longer exist. They forget about you. They do, they do. It's, it's just, it's, we've all got... It's about routine short, and consistency. Yeah, short attention spans. We'll meet Edgar. You, Edgar, you heard it here from Emma. Top, it's top great. tip. Now, Emma, I have asked you uh, um, previously about this, your top three marketing tips. I know you've shared a few here, but I think people would love to know what the top three things are that you probably do consistently that you think works for you. Okay, right. Uh, I'm trying to think which order is best. Facebook Lives are really powerful. Facebook loves them. They give, um, they give far more um, priority and push to anything you put through a Facebook Live than anything else. The beauty of a Facebook Live is it doesn't have to remain just on Facebook. You can multi-purpose it out. So you do your Facebook Live. If it all goes pear-shaped, like this morning when I was out there doing a Facebook Live and suddenly the builders started drilling and everything, <laughs> you can just press delete. And you don't always have to have a live audience listening to you at the time. I don't interact with my live audience who happen to come across me while I'm doing a Facebook Live because my eyesight's not good enough and I can't see them on my screen. So I will just do it as a video presentation and um, be, be talking about something you know, current and interesting, short, short, current and interesting. So what were you talking about this morning then? This morning I was talking about falls because it's National Falls Week. Ah, okay. Okay, and my next book is on... First aid for the elderly. 
So it oh. slips, trips. The third book. Hips. Okay, yeah. what is it? Slips, trips. <laughs> and fractured hips. <laughs> I love that. So, um, so I was talking about falls. And then I was also, for my first day for pets side of things, I was talking about smoky paws and their oxygen masks they are giving to the fire brigade um, to re-oxygenate pets following a smoke inhalation. Oh, okay. So I was doing two different ones on two different platforms. You need to have Pages Manager uploaded onto your phone so that you can upload to your page because you don't want to be uploading to your personal or main business accounts. You want to be uploading to your page. And then you share it. So you download the video, you put it onto Rev. Um, Rev is fantastic. Do you use Rev? No, don't use Rev. Rev.com has revolutionized my business. It enables you to put captions, subtitles, transcriptions, whatever you want. So captions are the main one for this. So that when people are browsing on their phone, um, they can read it. They, um, mm. they see the titles because most people browse on their phone without the sound up. Yeah. So then they can watch it. It looks more professional. Yep. It costs $1 per minute. And the accuracy is astounding. And the turnaround is within minutes. It's extraordinary. Oh, fantastic. It's a really, really, really powerful platform. So download your video. You can then use it. You can upload it to YouTube. So if you have a YouTube channel, and I've got sort of over a 1,000 YouTube followers, so you're then giving them fresh content. You can put it onto your blog. So you've then got people using that, and you've got it going in there. You can even upload your captions and transcribe them, and then you can put it into a podcast. Uh, so you can have that and all the value there. You can use that same little bit of content. Oh, you can also then um, put it straight into a blog post. So you can just transcribe it straight into a blog post and tweak it on there. So out of one five-minute Facebook Live video, you've got a ridiculous amount of content. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I love the fact that actually it doesn't have to be with a live audience. And I wonder if it puts people off doing it because they think they have to build an audience. But actually what you're saying is because of the way the Facebook algorithm works, it prioritizes Facebook live content. So you're mm -hmm. more likely to get a better outcome than just saying, just posting a video that you've pre-recorded and, and put it on there. Well, that's a brilliant top tip. So I might only have um, five or six or 10 people listening live on the Facebook live. But by the time it's been out for about five, 10 minutes, that's gone into hundreds. Wow. And then if I want to boost that post, it will go into multiple thousands. Oh, fantastic. Very, very quickly. I'm going to have a very and busy afternoon. for the cost of a fiver. I'm going to have a very busy afternoon with Meet Edgar and Rev.com and Facebook. Uh, but Facebook they're Live. so easy. So that's your one. The other thing is content. So my second tip is content. Yep. Produce valuable. It's got to be your best stuff. You're giving your best stuff away for free. So a lot of people don't get their head around that. Mm. They go, oh, but surely you pay. No, you're giving short snippets of your best stuff for free. Yeah. And it's got to be your top quality stuff. Otherwise, it's not going to be shared. Yep. If it's not valuable to your audience, there's no point in creating it. I, I posted something in the um, Go Play Go Business Network uh, Facebook group actually yesterday. Uh, it was a, about Facebook ads uh, by a guy called Neil Patel. He, okay. he is the world expert in how to give uh, your best content down. away for free, you know, in, in small snippets. It's, it's amazing. And if you ever want to know how to sort of market in that particular way, sign up with him. He will just bombard you with stuff. It's very interesting to watch his approach. You very quickly see what, uh, what te techniques and methods he used. But that's the principal one, actually. Give your best content away for free. Right, I'm going to look up that, Neil and I'm going to go on to Go Play Go and um, <laughs> read your post on that too. Because uh, um, so, what's your third top tip then for our listeners? My third is a really weird one. The whole point of social media is to get your post. If you think about how much stuff, when you're skimming, you're scrolling through, you somehow want your post to stand out and stand out for good reasons. I mean, people say, "Oh, put a typo in." I'm not going to put typos in my posts. It's giving the wrong message. I'm about quality. I don't want to give a, whoops, I wasn't concentrating at that point. I'm not saying they're all perfect, but actually if there's a typo, I'm afraid it's because I made a typo rather than that was a deliberate. But what does work, not all the time, but just occasionally, is if you take a few photos together and 
then you go into Google Images. You can then put them into an animation. And all you do is you click the three photos that you want to put in an animation, for example, and you click animation. <laughs> and then, when you're scrolling through, they move just a little bit. Oh, and they get noticed without you having to do anything fancy. So it's a bit like on your iPhone that you know that you have those moving ones, but you can't really share those, or I haven't worked out so how to like share them. Social media strobe lighting for social media uh, That's with, the one with flickering that's gifts. Simple because I'm <laughs> not very good at the technical side, so <laughs> it's got to be simple. It's got to be idiot-proof for me, and um, yeah, I've got enough on my plate trying to trying to get to grips with all the other things I'm trying to learn. Yeah. And, and when you get the call, which I'm sure you get and lots of your listeners will get, which she says, can I speak to your tech department? Can I speak to your marketing department? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I always love the, uh, I, I'm going to speak to HR about my annual leave uh, uh, requirements. <laughs> it's always my favourite one, that. Uh, well, that's three amazing top tips. Um, three I've not uh, come across, um, and I think they sound great. So um, something for easy. for people to do. And I, what I suggest people do is maybe just go and try one of those things because your time will be limited. So do go and give one of those a go. But uh, I think Facebook Live, I think, is probably the top tip um, actually and out of that. And do give it that extra oomph by putting it on Rev. It really doesn't take much more time at all it is so easy Excellent. and it makes an even bigger difference as to how it's perceived and it goes and, and it's viewed and it's watched yeah now just um just uh, another question i do want to ask you because our time is uh, is is kind of running out i noticed that uh, you have won a number of awards for your business um and actually a number of those are, are for customer service so i'm dying to ask you why you've won those awards for customer service and what it is you think you guys do that keeps you winning awards in customer service? Because I think it's a really important thing actually for activity providers to think about customer service. It's absolutely critical. Your customer is at the heart of everything and your reputation is your most treasured possession <laughs> as, a, as a business. And if you look after every single customer, they will recommend you and it will reap its rewards so we bend over backwards if we have one customer that has even the very slightest sniff of a niggle about anything we will give them all sorts of things we will overcompensate hugely don't go telling everyone this but we <laughs> will go overcompensate hugely to make sure that everybody is happy on our courses and is 100% satisfied and is going to go out and recommend because a recommendation from your customers is stronger than any Facebook or any amount of social media. That personal, oh, try, try Emma, she, you know, first day for life is, is fantastic. They do this, that and the other and they do it better than anyone else. So everyone within the team um, from the trainers to those in the office to um, all the things we put out on social media is all about giving and enhancing the customer experience and giving extra value. Yeah. So we have people that have been on courses years ago who phone me up and say, you know, oh, could you just tell me I've still got this in my first aid kit, is that okay? Or I was looking after a child the other day and this happened. Um, you know, did I do the right thing? What should I do? Uh, and we're more than happy to help with those sort of calls, as well as the main first aid. It's the aftercare and the nurture and ensuring that people retain that confidence. So it's your customer for life. remembering you. Your customer for life, not just for this course. Absolutely. Or... We're not in for a quick sale. We're not interested in quick sale. And we do turn customers away, I'm afraid, which may seem a bit alien when we're talking about great customer service. But sometimes we get the call that says, you know, just looking for the cheapest course to do such and such. And we'll say, I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we're all about quality. Uh, we're unlikely to be the cheapest. However, we're about great value. 
and, and we're about quality training that will give you the confidence to care. We're not going to be the most expensive. We're not, you know, we, we are very reasonably priced. Yeah. But there are always one-man bands out there that will cut on the quality and will undercut. And it'll be the same in children's activity providers and in activity providers generally. There will always be somebody who will come in cheaper. And I think that's another really important bit of advice I was given when I started up. Don't go in as the cheapest. Because if you go in as the cheapest, you're going in as the lowest quality um, and you're going in undercutting by cutting corners. And that's not what anyone in the activity provider market or perish the thought in the first aid training market should be looking at. We should be about quality and caring and giving the best customer experience that we can all the way through. And I, just picking up on the whole activity provider kind of environment, because uh, actually I'm not sure I know the answer to this, and that's really about um, what we should be thinking around first aid. Um, so I'd, I'd love it if you could maybe just, I guess, give your thoughts on what activity providers should be thinking about around first aid and, and also you know, the legal requirements actually for us as providers. Absolutely. Well, I'm very happy to write this in a, in a more thorough blog, if that would be helpful Excellent. on Go Play Go Fantastic. as well. Fantastic. We shall share um, it widely. Because <laughs> it is confusing and it depends what regulation you are under. So um, whether or not you are Ofsted registered, and I know some activity providers are, are. and some aren't. Yep. Um, as a business, you've got the health and safety executive legal duty of care um, and legal requirement to make first aid provision for yourself and your team. So that is a legal requirement and you, know, you can get into trouble if you haven't. If you are a smaller business, uh, less than five people, then it can be just an appointed person um, or somebody just you know, here's the first aid kit. You have to have one. Yeah. Here is the first aid provision. Somebody is nominated as the appointed person to be responsible, and they should be trained appropriately to give the first aid that they might need to give in an emergency. And that can be an online course. So, it's it's that's the sort of minimum requirement. Okay. So that is your legal requirement from health and safety executive side of things. They don't have to have any training at all for that, um, but they do have to be, they say they, they have to be competent in their skills to give the first aid. And how you do that without training is a little dodgy. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure um, if you're in court, you'd be hard to argue. Competency. Absolutely. It's all about making sure that should something happen, um, that you are fulfilling your requirements as um as a business and is it so that's the health and safety okay. executive okay the hse sorry no go, no carry on because i was going to ask you i guess as a as an activity provider if you're delivering activities um you know what type of kind of legislation if there is any actually that you should be abiding by or whether it's good practice um it's good practice mm. so you've got everybody who's operating as a business has the health and safety executive which is the law so everyone has to make that minimum requirement. Yes. Um, if you are Ofsted registered, you then have the additional side of things that you will need if you're looking after early years and you're on the compulsory register, you would need a 12-hour paediatric first aid for each discrete area, including the cover for annual leave and sickness um, and any other absence. Um, there is also an, an, uh, an emergency paediatric first aid. I, it might be easiest to put this in a blog. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you're going to have to write this down for all of us. I, I, think, I think it's probably something that's easiest to go, to go through. And what we're trying to do um, uh, with, with the, the, the children's activity providers um, group as, as well that, that I'm involved in is create some standards. Because I think standards are very important and helpful. I think as a minimum, people should ensure that everybody teaching a class, whether or not there are parents you know, present in the class, would know what to do if an emergency happened and would feel confident coping. Yep. 
and whether or not there is any additional legislation over and above the health and safety executive, I think as a minimum, they should have a good quality paediatric first aid course or an emergency first aid at work course, which could be online if they don't have the additional Ofsted type legislation that they have to comply with. Okay. Which will then mean that everyone within their franchise, if it's a franchise um, experience, or everyone in their team would have the skills and knowledge to know what to do if something went wrong. And that's important. And they should all have a first aid kit available. It's no use saying, well, I'm usually in the library and the library's always got one. Yeah. When did you last go into the library and, and have a look and open the box and check what was actually in that yeah. lovely big box that says first aid kit? Because it may well be that it's not full of stuff when you need it. And how are you going to feel if... You know, if the child has been attacked by a maraca um, or whatever, <laughs> uh, or they're bleeding, or they've, you know, a, the door has slammed and their finger has come off and you're looking for something to stop the bleeding. And you can't and, find and it. And sort out this with the parents all hassling around you as well. And you're trying to be the calm adult in control of your activity. Getting your first aid kit that the library said they have and it's empty. Yeah. I think everybody running a, an activity should be responsible for the first aid kit for the people that they're training. And they should be responsible for the parents and for the children. And they should ensure that they are competent to give those skills. There's no use saying, well, I'll, I'll wait for an ambulance. Yeah. And because you, first aid is about giving first aid. It's about knowing what to do whilst you're waiting for the ambulance and keeping everything calm. Be it, you know, a child having a nosebleed someone collapsing, someone having a febrile convulsion, so uh, they're having a seizure because they're not very well and it's all, they've got overheated. Um, to understand what to happen, what, what to do in that emergency keeps everybody calmer and it reflects on your business massively. Yeah, ab absolutely. And I think, you know, I think we had this brief conversation at the start about, you know, there's legislation and then there's actually how you want to run your business and actually how you would feel at the end of the day if you didn't have those skills um, when needed in an emergency situation. So I think there's, there's lots of really good reasons why... We should all be looking at uh, paediatric first aid, particularly in the context of children's activities, but first aid, obviously, more generally. So that's great. In fact, sports. I mean, the number of sports providers that are out there, you know, it's no use just saying, well, yeah, I'm at the leisure centre, would use their first aiders. Their first aider might not be there. If it's your activity, you should be responsible for ensuring that it is relevant as well to your activity. So if it's you, um, a particular sport, you should ensure that you are happy giving the first aid for the most common injuries. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, it's and, um, and it reflects on your business massively yeah. and on your customer base and on the whole confidence in, in what you're doing and what you're giving. Um, it's, it's important and it doesn't need to be a major cost and it's transferable skills that you can use in your own life too. Yeah. You might be on your way to a class while someone's hit by a car. I have to say that's one of my biggest fears is that I end up in a road traffic type accident as a first person on scene and obviously you don't want to walk away from that but then you want to think you have some skills to actually deal with that situation. I have so a that's... blog on just that on First Day for Life website. Ah, excellent, I'm going to go and what have to a look. Do. I've got lots... What to do if you're first on scene at a road traffic excellent. accident. I'm going to go and have a look at that one. and uh... I will send that through to you. Excellent, excellent. But, uh, yeah, I mean those, those sort of things happen. Yeah, absolutely. And... And it, it's that it's that confidence, peace of mind that that you do know what to do, and you'll be doing your best for you know the children and and their parents who are who are in your care. Yeah, and it's and it's great, and I think I was really looking forward to chatting to you today because I think the whole first aid thing, I think it's kind of out there, but I don't think there's a lot of clarity about kind of what we should be doing legally, but also what what we really need to be doing for our business anyway. So so that's great, and if you can share it in a in some written form, then I should... I will share it in a far simpler I form. But I think I mean the, the the problem we have, which is the same as you have, is there's a lot of people out there in the same business doing it very badly. Yep. And when it's done badly, it's boring. <laughs> it's, it's misleading. It's confusing. Um, and people go away saying, well, that was a waste of time. Yeah. I guess and your job is to inspire that, them. And, uh... Yeah, 
build confidence. Absolutely, and give them all the information they need so that they understand why they're doing stuff and they feel confident. But it's the same in all our industries. There are people out there that, that spoil it. Yeah. And it's really important that, you know, you were mentioning awards earlier, but um, that awards are, are great to differentiate yourself from people that aren't doing it as well as you. Yeah, absolutely. And just a last couple of questions uh, for you before we have to um, uh, sort of finish the podcast. Um, what's, um, what's your biggest challenge day to day when you run your business? For me, probably keeping focused. Right. I think it's very easy to... Um, to look at the, the next thing you want to do and to make sure that I always finish what I've started and that um, I'm doing some of the more boring stuff that has to happen within the business as well to make sure that it runs smoothly and efficiently and make sure that you are looking after your team properly. You always say thank you and you always make them feel good and that they know that you are there for them, but also that you try and get some sort of a work-life balance. Ah. How on earth we manage that? <laughs> but no matter, you know, particularly if you're running it from your home, which we do. Yeah. Um, my, my daughter answered the phone the other day at quarter to eight in the morning. And it was someone who said, oh, oh I didn't expect to have the phone answered instead of an answer to questions. And then you went, Oh, do you run this from home? Oh, really? In a slightly disparaging oh way, which almost made it feel like it was less of a business. Yep. And my daughter said, well, actually, um, it is a, a home-based business, but the phone goes through um, to our, our main home out of hours, um, which I thought was a very good answer. Very good but, answer. Um, You've trained your daughter well. <laughs> trained, her, <laughs> trained her well. But uh, so, so yeah, it is interesting. Yeah. How do, um, how do you cope with the sort of the ups and downs? How do you kind of, I guess, put the stress maybe of running your own business to a side for a moment and kind of find that sort of uh, peacefulness? I'm not sure if I'm very good at peaceful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite active. Um, peaceful, I think, gives me too much time to sort of think and then plan the next thing. Um, but what I do like is I like the fascinating and interesting places that the business takes you. And for me, that's the real reward. So last week, I was at the top of Canary Wharf with UCL Management Studies. Um, I've uh, been to some incredible places uh, with some amazing networks and some absolutely fascinating business groups and I think the important thing for me is to enable the business to take you to these exciting places and then to stand tall and know that you are there because you've created that business which has allowed you to have these incredible experiences being at the Houses of Parliament, um, at various incredible awards dinners, um, meeting fascinating people, rubbing shoulders with celebrities. I don't do a fraction of what Amanda, Amanda Frolic does from Amanda action kids but she's the same as me we quite often go to some of these networking things together and it's the fun you can have because of the hard work you've put into your business and the recognition and the enjoyment from doing those extra extra things and that is you know that's not like a regular job no absolutely that's absolutely. really exciting i mean i'm going to uh, an nspcc uh, ball this weekend with esther ranson and my kids were saying, and the, the person, they weren't interested in Esther Ranson, I'm afraid, sorry Esther. Um, they were interested in the fact that the JLS are going to be there and some other celebs that I hadn't got a clue who they are and I probably won't recognise. But I'm there because of what we've created and what we've done and the fact that you know we've denoted some prizes and, and, and things. But it's really nice. We did a bit of a side, but um, I did some training for uh, Chelsea Football um, and uh, the director of Chelsea was, f she's fantastic. And uh, she sent um, a car around um, with, uh, with a, a signed um, picture of Hazard for my son. <laughs> fantastic. And, you know, she didn't have to. No. Nope. It was really, really kind of her. And for him, 
it was like, wow, mum, your job does have some perks. And suddenly it, it made it all far more real and interesting for him, <laughs> who otherwise just gets you know, mum being pulled away in different directions and you know, answering the phone when he wants me to do something else and, and, and some of the more downsides. But actually, it was really good for him to see that there are some really exciting stuff around running your own business too. Yeah. Well, there's some great pieces of advice there, I think, for people. And I think it's a brilliant way to, uh, to end the podcast. Um, and I think, you know, if you, if you work hard, you stay focused, but actually, most importantly, you have fun along the way. Play hard. Yeah, absolutely. Then I think you'll grow a very uh, successful business. And uh, most importantly, you enjoy um, actually what you achieve through that business. So, Emma, it's been fantastic um, chatting absolutely. to you today. Finding out really enjoyed it. Good, finding out about First Aid for Life. Uh, great business um, and very much look forward to seeing how you grow and uh, yeah looking forward to trying out all your top marketing tips so I hope everybody's enjoyed it today um, and uh, please do listen in for the next podcast thank you very much